welcome. As always, even though we are under the Two Generations Gaming banner, this is One Guy Reading. Whether you're meant to or not, you found Noob's Book Club. I'm Sean, Noob of All Traits from Two Generations Gaming. In this series, I am reading and reacting to Jurassic Park, the novel by Michael Crichton that he wrote 30 years ago and was turned into a movie. This is the first episode of the new series, so if you are joining us for the first time, what I do is I recap part of the book and then I give my reaction to it at the end just like you normally would at a book club. I often do a liked least and a liked best at the end and then sometimes I'll throw some other things in like new characters or how the pacing of the book is or those types of questions as well. This format might be slightly different though because he doesn't really use chapters. He does iterations and then he breaks it down according to important themes in each section. So there won't actually be chapters this time around. It'll be more along the lines of, well, you'll see when we get there. Episode 1, Jurassic Park. Introduction, the InGen Incident. Crichton takes the time to talk about genetic engineering. He starts with a warning that the technology is advancing rapidly. It will exceed the power of atomic power in computers within a decade. The tech will affect every aspect of our lives. But, he warns, this time things are different for three reasons. One, unlike the atomic age that came about due to a single research agency, and the computer age due to only a few companies, 500 corporations spend $5 billion annually on biotech. Secondly, many of the advances are thoughtless or frivolous. And finally, the work is unregulated. He argues that this commercialization of the technology is an ethical problem that happened far too rapidly and without precedent. It makes it difficult, therefore, to set a precedent and regulations closing the barn door after the horse and all that. He goes on for six whole paragraphs to support this thesis. He then goes on to discuss a specific example of this commercialization, international genetic technologies. The specifics are sealed due to the nature of the trial and the investors. However, several never signed the NDA, non-disclosure agreement, and are willing to talk. Prologue, the bite of the raptor. The scene opens on a tropical rainstorm, a young female doctor who came to Costa Rica for sun and relaxation found rain instead. Everything else she liked. Her paramedic, Manuel, suddenly says, Listen, the rain? I hear that. No, listen. She hears a helicopter in the distance. In this weather? The copter circles while looking for a spot to land. On the side, a blue stripe with the words, quote, Indian Construction. The company building a resort on one of the islands. It lands on the beach, and they frantically shout for a doctor in Spanish. Two men carry a limp body and ask again for a doctor. She identifies herself, but suggests that they take him to the capital. Can't get over the mountain in this weather. What happened? A construction accident. A backhoe. She thinks it looks more like an animal mall. No, he insists, while looking very nervous. She notices a frothy saliva-like liquid in the wounds, and no dirt, as will be found in a construction accident. Then, on his hands, scratches and bruises as well. The boy says... Raptor. Losa Raptor. That freezes Manuel, a supernatural being. They call it a hoopia, or an abductor. She and him go back and forth. She takes pictures, but then finds her camera missing when they leave. She tries to follow up with another medic during a pregnancy visit, but the woman shoots her down. Don't talk about those things in front of the pregnant woman, as they're superstitious and they believe that the hoopia will come to take the baby. She finally looks it up. Raptor. Bird of prey. First iteration. At the earliest drawings of the fractal curve, 
few clues to the underlying mathematical structure will be seen. It's a quote by Dr. Ian Malcolm. Almost paradise. Mike Bowman and his family visited Costa Rica for a two-week vacation. His wife actually came up with the idea. Turns out she wanted to visit a plastic surgeon. They fight about it because he said she lied. Besides, he says, you're still beautiful. Why would you need to get plastic surgery? As they drive, she asks him if this is the right road. He replies, just sit back and trust me. It will be worth the wait. She checks herself in her compact mirror. Something runs out in front of the car. A squirrel monkey? Really? Nah, probably just another howler monkey. You think we'll see a sloth? Probably. Look in the mirror. Funny, Dad. It's just to go back and forth between he and his daughter during the car ride. They make it to the beach and he feels like a hero. Only last moments because his wife makes a comment about her weight. Tina, the daughter I just mentioned, runs along the beach. Sunscreen! Later! I need to see a sloth. His wife worries. He tries to reassure her. What about snakes? There are no MF and snakes on this MF and beach. He didn't say that, but that was my little interpretation there. Tina runs until she can't and then falls in the sand at the water's edge. She ignores her mother about the sunscreen. She goes to the tree line to see a sloth. Hearing a chirp, she wonders if sloths chirp. Nah, must be a bird. She then sees three-toed bird tracks in the sand to support her theory. Nope, a new animal for her list. Standing on two legs, balancing with a thick tail, a foot tall, dark green with brown stripes. Its legs ended in three lizard toes. It cocks its head at her, curiously. The lizard walks to her. The size of a chicken, it bobs its head as it walks. It left three-toed tracks in the sand, like the bird tracks she saw. She remains still to not scare it off. It cautiously approaches, then rushes up her arm towards her face. Her mother worries. Her father tells her, there's nothing to worry about. Their daughter screams. Punturenas. They find her, and he carries her back to the vehicle. They rush to a hospital as her arm reddens and swells up. They end up at a modern hospital in the capital. Tina is in stable condition. The doctor in residence sees her picture that she drew of the lizard. He can't identify it. Another doctor shows up to analyze her wounds. Dr. Gutierrez follows up with the family. He comes to the conclusion that it's a basiliscus emeritus, not poisonous, no rabies, but the saliva does contain a high amount of serotonin, which is probably what she's reacting to. The saliva collection gets flagged for an abnormal amount of proteins of biological activity. Whatever the fuck that means. But busy. The night technician simply files them on the holding shelf. The day clerk sees that Tina's been discharged and throws away the samples, except for one that was supposed to be sent to the university. Off it goes. Dr. Cruz, the other doctor that originally met with them, has one last conversation with the family. Tina confirms everything that she said. He reports the conversation to Dr. Gutierrez, who asks Dr. Cruz to keep an eye and ear open. He's no longer confident that the lizard was a common one. The beach. As a result, he goes to that same beach to see if he can find one of the lizards himself. First, he researches bites, and that leads to his uncertainty. No such bites from these lizards, and no hospitalizations either, but reports of other incidents like the one with Tina. A new species? Possible. The ecological diversity of Costa Rica leads to new discoveries all the time. That accelerated with deforestation, but as the sun goes down, he sees nothing. As he leaves, he sees a howler monkey. Not wanting to get peed on, he steps out from the tree line. But this monkey looks alone, because sometimes they hang out in the trees and pee on people. It is eating a lizard. He aims his pistol, shoots the monkey with a tranquilizer. He then retrieves the lizard. It looks like the one described and drawn by Tina. So, he thinks to send it to the leading expert. 
New York. Instead, the sample ends up at the Tropical Diseases Laboratory at Columbia University. Dr. Richard Stone explains that the other office, Dr. Simpson's, sent it over. He's on vacation, so they want them to take a look. While they can't verify the species, they can search for disease. The results come quickly. No significant reactivity to viruses or bacteria. Only reactivity to India, King Cobra. But not uncommon that that happens, that cross-contamination, pollination, whatever you want to call it. Gutierrez takes them for their word. A basilisk and not a health risk to the islands. Meanwhile, an infant gets attacked and killed by three of the lizards. The shape of the data. They report the death of SIDS. The university lab finds serotonin and another protein similar to cobra venom, but more primitive in structure. Trace quantities of amino consistent with genetic engineering, but they figure it's simply a lab contaminant and they ignore it. In New York, someone asks about the picture, who drew the dinosaur? No, this animal exists now. We have a sample right here in this lab. I have boys, I know dinosaurs. That definitely looks like one. Well, we won't know for sure until the doctor gets back. Until then, this is not a dinosaur. And now for my reaction. New characters. Plenty of people introduced in this part of the book, obviously. I don't recognize any of them from the movie. Now, movies and books are often different. As such, some of these characters might serve a bigger purpose. For now, though, I will refrain from commenting on any of them. 30 years later. On that note about seeing the movie, I'm so old that I watched the movie in the theater all those years ago. I'm pretty sure I was on vacation in Maryland with a friend at the time. I think that's when we saw it. As I've said more than once, our youngest Quinn is obsessed with dinosaurs. I think Jurassic Park inspired him to become a paleontologist. As a result, I've seen this movie more times than I can count. So clearly, in a month or two, I will do a, quote, movie versus episode and watch it again. But that's not my main point here. How do I write a review of something that's 30 years old? As a benefit, I only read the book once. That was 30 years ago. After I watched the movie, I read this one and The Lost World. So I don't think it will be that much of a problem in the long run. Therefore, let's get it started. My history with Crichton. Other than Jurassic Park and The Lost World, I read Airframe, Rising Sun, The Andromeda Strain, and I listened to Dragon Teeth when I worked as a custodian. One of my favorite stories to tell is that I read Airframe before and during my first flight ever. Christine and I went to Disney World for the trip. And I picked up the book, kind of as a bit of dark humor. I read Rising Sun because I saw the movie and wanted to see how it compared to the book, just like Jurassic Park. Andromeda Strain came at a time where I got obsessed with communicable diseases, most notably Ebola. Then I saw Dragon Teeth, and the cover intrigued me. I thought that it was related to Jurassic Park. Turns out it might sort of kind of be, but nobody's 100% sure. I enjoyed the book, but it wasn't at all what I expected. So, like Stephen King, every once in a while I read a Michael Crichton book. Unlike King... I like all of Crichton's stuff. I never read a book of his that I didn't like. There are just some things that King does in his books that leave a bad taste in my mouth. Not so with Crichton. Science and pseudoscience. Science literacy is at an all-time low in this country. People argue both ways in bad faith. I remember being one of the people who thought that the internet might herald a new age of enlightenment. That uh, has not turned out to be true. Instead, we can just fight faster and more often about the efficacy and safety of vaccines. I learned recently that that's not a new phenomenon, and it goes back at least until the polio vaccine. People make arguments for the case of flat earth. Others insist that science is truth and immutable. Of course, science changes. It constantly tests itself against new information. If that information counters what we know, we might need to change our thinking. As a result, this allows people to say that science is often quote-unquote wrong and not to be trusted. It's a fucking mess, to be honest. So I met the science in this book with great joy. 
I know that Creighton makes a habit to include science in his books. I never research if it's actual science or pseudoscience, unless it seems egregious, or if someone uses a Creighton book in an argument, which has happened. But I appreciate his attempts to educate people with his books. Also, he writes the science in so seamlessly. Take the intro, for instance. He goes from giving a warning about the dangers of dysregulation in science to setting up the plot of his book by introducing the fictional InGen Corporation as a prime example. Yes, dangerous for people who aren't skeptical. Well, then, be more skeptical. What I liked least. The pace of this section felt a little too slow for me. I know that Crichton likes writing mystery, so he takes a bit of time to set things up in the beginning of his books. And yes, I did just say how much I enjoyed the science in his books. But if I'm being honest, even I thought the first part of the book got quite a bit tedious after a while. Granted, it is only a minor quibble. But I set up this format, and I'm committed to it now. So I had to come up with something I liked least. While reading, I repeatedly found myself wanting more. More action, more dinosaurs, more familiar characters. Maybe that's it. The movie gives us the first attack early, more or less on screen. In the book, it happens off screen and we get the after effects of it. I guess that can allows us to fill in the blanks, which is something that authors do sometimes, but that part didn't work for me. I'd rather have the attack on screen in the book as well. Anyhow. Also, we see more of the main characters more quickly in the movie. I guess ultimately, it's just a different approach for different media. If you try to slow play it in a visual medium like film, then you lose valuable time. But he can take this risk in the book. There's no risk of me giving up on the book. He builds the suspense so well that I want to be there for the eventual payoff. What I liked most. With all that being said, I like that he wasted no time with the dinosaur talk. Because of the slow play, I thought we might have to wait another chapter or two until we heard the D word. Hell, he went 30 page before introducing any of the major characters, and I still don't know if we meet any soon. Parenthetically, that's not true. I just looked ahead at the next page, and the first two words are, quote, Alan Grant, end quote, and parenthetical. So it's not unreasonable to assume that dinosaurs wouldn't show up until later. At the very least, keep us in suspense more. We all know that this new species is probably a dinosaur. But if he'd never wrote the exchange where the woman argues that it is a dinosaur, then more readers might doubt that fact. Even having the dude mansplain it away doesn't convince me. Who knows? Maybe Crichton plans to pull the switcheroo on us. Dr. Simpson comes back, examines the lizard remains, and definitively proclaims it a modern animal closely related to the dinosaurs. Something along the lines of, we thought they went extinct a few hundred years ago. If so, I'll revisit this next time as a reason that I like the decision even more. Until then, he writes the book in such a way that I want to keep reading. This is going to be a fun series. As always, thanks for listening. You can find us if you haven't already at www.twoguysgaming.net. We have articles... Not as many articles this past week, but I'll get back to the comic reviews starting on Monday. And then after that, I'm going to do Hearthstone vs. Magic. And then I'm going to do my Thankful for Gaming series. And then I'm going to do Dungeons & Dragons. And that will take us into December and the next holiday on the list. We also have another podcast. I just put up episode 2, the Spooktober episode of Two Guys Gaming. Went up on the 1st of November, but that's kind of par for the core for us. So you get to celebrate Halloween for a couple extra days or another week, depending on when you get to it. There's a link to our socials, including our YouTube, which currently is just the RPG calendar that I've been playing through. But I'm hoping to get some more time and maybe plan my time better so that I can put some more videos up for all of you. I'll be back with the next episode of this series on Wednesday, hopefully. I don't know. My mom and brother are coming up to visit, so I might not have the time to do it this week, but we'll see if it works out. I will talk to you whenever I get around to it. Bye, guys. We are...